0: This is Mission.org.
1: I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leads Art Week.
2: Hello, and welcome to Marketing Trends. This is producer Ben Wilson. Today's episode features an interview with Kathy English. Kathy is the CMO of Vocera, a healthcare company changing the way that providers communicate and innovating the patient experience. On this episode, Kathy talks about focusing on the customer experience, sales and marketing alignment, and much more. Enjoy. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot, B2B marketing automation on the world's number one CRM. Are you ready to take your B2B marketing to new heights? With Pardot, marketers can find and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click
3: the link in the show notes. Here is your host, Ian Faison. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, Chief Content Officer here at Mission.org. And we have in studio, Kathy, what's going on?
1: Hey, Ian. Nice to see you.
3: Yeah, it's great to have you here. And we're going to talk about how you went from nurse to marketer. And it holds a special place in my heart because my mother was a nurse and I'm a marketer. So, you know, who better to talk to? So we're going to get into all of that and the amazing work that you're doing at Vocera. But first, how did you get into marketing in the first place?
1: Well, first of all, congratulations to your mom. What a wonderful (laughs) thing. I love hearing about fellow nurses and nursing is such a big discipline that you can do so many different things. And uh, I started off in oncology nursing, so I was taking care of people that were dying. I was 21 years old trying to figure out how to help them through that process, and it was a learning experience for me. But then in time I decided I wanted to start saving people, so I went to critical care and I worked trauma nursing. So the worst of the worst that would come in as an accident off the highway. And as I was working with patients, I learned that there was a fair amount of communication challenge for nursing. I had a patient who was in halo traction, which was the the bars that you put on the head to stabilize the spinal cord. And that patient was supposed to keep his head straight. Well, what happened is I went in and introduced myself to him as his nurse, and he turned his head and said, hi, (laughs) which is not what you want a patient to do when they're trying to be stabilized. And it took me about 18 hours to get a hold of the doctor by the time I could find him. And he was actually in surgery at a different hospital. Mind you, this was a long time ago before we had cell phones, but nevertheless, it compromised the hospital, me, and the patient. So I moved on to my next mission was to help people in hospitals to learn how to communicate better to solve for this problem. And I always loved technology being in oncology and critical care. So the combination of the two led me to computers. And so I, before I learned how to do anything with computers, I needed to learn how to sell because they don't teach you that in, in nursing school. Sure. And as I was walk, walking into these offices and trying to influence people to buy things, I started to love to have the conversations around storytelling. How did someone else find value in the product? And I think that was my entry into marketing. I don't have a degree in marketing. So what I needed to do was learn. So I learned on the job throughout the rest of my 25 years in in healthcare and healthcare marketing. Starting off in sales, moving to product management, product marketing, and then eventually to the marketing role that I had at Cisco Systems. And then decided data center was getting a little boring for me. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to get back to healthcare and ended up finding Vocera.
3: Yeah, and Vocera is really at the cutting edge right now. And I wanna know what does marketing look like what does being CMO there look like, and, and what, are you, uh, what are you excited about?
1: Marketing at Vocera is so much fun because we're telling stories about people. I think everybody's had some experience with a hospital, with an illness of a family member or a friend, and most likely has been experiencing some of the challenges in communication in hospitals. When you walk into a hospital, what's the first thing you hear? You hear this overhead paging, and it's noisy and chaotic, especially if you're in critical care. Um, my husband recently had open-heart surgery, and I went in to see him the next day, and he said to me, you know, were there a lot of accidents on the highway last night? I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, I heard trauma announcements. The helicopter came in 11 times. Oh my so goodness. he had been counting those every single hour during the night when they would come in. So he wanted to know what was going on in the world outside the hospital. Yeah. So keeping your life in the hospital quiet and less chaotic from a patient perspective is the what we're all about you know making the care team happy making the patient happy and for me being able to tell those stories about how we've done that is what's great with marketing in healthcare when you're when you're selling to CNOs your chief nursing officer your chief medical officer they, they don't want to hear, I've got this widget and you need to buy it. Yeah. They want to hear how you have a solution that solves the problems that they're experiencing every day. And in communication, it's overhead paging. It's keeping patients safe by alerting the clinicians to when there's a problem going on so that you can help that care team intervene quickly. That's what it's all about. You got a sepsis patient, which is an infection in the blood. You get an hour to try to remedy that. Yeah. And if you don't intervene right away, then the patient has a high risk of dying. So telling stories about how we can pull that sepsis score out of the electronic health record and send it out to a clinician in real time with relevant data, like the blood count, the temperature, and those kinds of things, people can make decisions right away and intervene and save lives.
3: So for our listeners who don't who don't know about Vassura, can you give kind of like the uh, the elevator pitch for the company?
1: Of course. <laughs> I guess I should have started with that. Because no, instead no, of starting I'm, to I'm the one asking the questions. Vocera <laughs> um, Communications is a company that develops both hardware and software, which is delivered in the form of a platform to allow clinicians to communicate in real time by calling one another by role in the hospital. When you've got to find an anesthesiologist, you don't always know which one is on call. Yeah. So we can allow clinicians to call each other by role. So you can say call. The anesthesiologist on call and you find the right person at the right time in a timely fashion so you can put the tube in the patient's airway more quickly and and let them live and breathe um, we also have a software platform that pulls data out of different technologies mm-hmm. it, it these days every single medical device your iv pump your ventilator your balloon pump all even the beds all have communication capabilities, and they all have their own app that you're supposed to use to be able to find out what's going on with the the system. What we do is we pull all that data together and put it into a communication or notification to a clinician that is relevant so they can make a decision at the right time and the right place in the timely manner that they need to so that the outcomes are good for that patient.
3: Yeah, it, it was funny when we were prepping for the interview, I was thinking about the idea of like being on call. Like this, this kind of thing. And it's like, I don't know when the term originally came about, I'd imagine around the time of the telephone, but this idea that like what being on call has kind of like changed over the years and like what that means. And I love the idea of like, instead of it being a person, it's like this title where it's like, you know, if it's not, you know, whatever, Dr. Dr. Kathy or or Dr. Ian or whatever, it's like, I, I need the... Oncologist or whoever it is, I think that's so interesting. And with healthcare and care teams being so non digital in a lot of ways, hey, I'm going to write on the whiteboard who the nurse is right now, right? Uh, or whichever it is, bringing those systems digitally so that you have you know instantaneous communication seems like it's like a little too obvious, right? How kind of behind the times are we as an industry, as a healthcare industry on this?
1: That's a great question, Ian. Um, Having worked at Cisco, I've seen lots of different industries that are adopting technology very quickly. Healthcare tends to be more conservative, mm-hmm. mainly because you're dealing with patients' lives. You need to make sure that that technology is not going to harm anyone, and the FDA makes sure of that as well. Yeah, so there absolutely. are regulations we need to follow that are different. So the adoption of technology is a little slower than some other industries. Um, in fact, there's a lot of folks that that joke about the fact that if a doctor goes through the TSA security in in the airport oftentimes they're identified as a doctor because they're the only ones that put pagers into the bins when they go through. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. But knowing who the person is that's on call is so very important because that's when you have the need to be an immediate response. Um, It's not just roll to roll, it's broadcast. So if I'm doing CPR on a patient, my hands can't be freed because you're doing chest compressions. So with our technology, what we've done is we've allowed you to do voice controlled requests. So you can call the code blue team with your voice. And that sends a note out to all the different care providers and the care teams that need to communicate. And unfortunately, the whiteboards are still around. Adoption has not been as as fast as we would like it to be or I would like it to be given my own experience sure, yeah. cuz you're right there's nothing worse than walking out to the nurse's station and saying who's on call for anesthesia and then you ask the unit secretary to find them and then you go back into the patient room and when they come back and call back you can't connect because you're in a patient room so there's just so many steps that are minimized with technology
3: and so since this is a is it I, I don't know if it's B2G or B2B or or you know in your sales process I think one of the things that like because we're, you know, uh, focused a lot on, you know, B2B and marketing and figuring that out and figuring out who those decision makers are and how do you influence them. I think a lot of times, you know, like when you're in the hospital, you are thinking about the care team that's around you, but you don't necessarily think of like the head of nursing, you know, the head, the chief medical officer, those things like that. You focus, you know, in your your career, you focus a lot on customer experience, and I know that's extremely important at Vocera. So how do you look at a customer experience from the standpoint that you're trying to provide insights, like actionable insights, so that the chief medical officer, chief nursing officer can control all of these kind of like disparate systems and different care teams to have the best, you know, impact?
1: I think the most important thing to do is to understand the workflow. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that by designing in a lab. You actually have to get out there and be with the clinicians as they are walking through their workflow. In fact, a lot of our product management team are nurses as well. We have implementation teams that are nurses. Mm -hmm. So they understand the language because every one of these industries when you're in B2C or B2B has a different buyer or a different persona that you're trying to to engage. So the user for our software is different than the decision maker for the most part. The users are nurses and doctors. Yeah. And they're busy. They're they've got things coming at them from all over the place and you may have a patient status change that requires you to change your day. So you're always having to do this course correction. And this concept of cognitive overload is, is a scary one for nursing because that's when decisions get made. If you're not burned out, but even just so many things pulling at you, you make errors or you make mistakes.
3: Yeah. There's actually my, my girlfriend's in physical therapy school right now. And so one of the case studies they just did was that, that the average nurse, I believe, gets, they have push notifications uh, on their computer. And so you're just used to like clicking out because we all do this now. You have a push notification, you just hit the the box or whatever. And there's something, I don't know the exact number, but like, we'll just say it's like 1100 push notifications a day or something crazy like that. But like a push notification that says, you know, hey, it's time for Bob to take their medicine is the same push notification of like, you know, someone's going through cardiac arrest or something like this. And so you look at like how technology can, Add complexity rather than remove it at times, and it's a fine line. And like you said, they have stuff coming from a lot of different directions. And I don't, I don't know the exact study off offhand. Otherwise, I would but say that's
1: a good one. I, you know what, I, I hear you, and she's absolutely right. And this human centered design work that we do to make sure we bring the right experience to the person that needs to use our system is what gives us intelligence to that kind of thing. Those. Things coming at you need to be prioritized. Yeah. So that's one of those things that we built into the software so that when you get a notification, we have an urgent alert. We have an alert that's escalated. Mm -hmm. So the notifications are more intelligent. And then in many cases, we'll take the alert and put the right data with it. So if the patient's in ventricular tachycardia, which is a dangerous cardiac rhythm, we'll put the blood pressure, the heart rate, the rhythm, the potassium level, all things coming from different systems into a single notification and then allow that clinician to click into the waveform and see what's really going on. Because sometimes waveforms can be incorrect. So if you can see that waveform through our app, it makes the decision easier for the clinician, hopefully reducing that cognitive overload from the plethora of notifications that they get.
3: So how do you market this type of product, when you have the end users, you know, or, or the people that are buying, not necessarily using the product, how are you looking at, you know, getting in front of those decision makers?
1: That's a tough call in healthcare because you see you have people that are digital and people that are not, and understanding the buying behaviors and the personas was really critical for me. When we, when I first started four years ago, we were selling to departments, so we would need to know the. Budget owner, which was the department head of the OR, for example. Mm. Now, as the EHRs have been rolled out, standardization is starting to become more and more important.
3: And EHR is the?
1: Electronic health record. That's the the data repository for all the data about you as the patient. Mm -hmm. And essentially, um, decision-making moved to the executive's to steering committees as standardization became important. So I needed to know the chief nursing officer and what were the care that they they were looking for. I also needed to know where they went for information. In fact, I could put an ad on modern healthcare and they might see it, but what they would more readily see is a print ad in the American Journal of Nursing Executives magazine. Yeah, And the only reason I knew that was interviewing. Because they, they put it in their purse if they're a woman, and most of them are women, not all of them, but they put it in their bag and they take it with them. They read it on planes, on trains, and wherever it is that they had a moment to, to look at what was in the journal. So knowing the behaviors of those decision makers was really important for us. And then what is it that they responded to? They didn't respond to a product sheet. They didn't respond to an ad about, I got this really cool vocera communication badge. They cared about the fact that we could reduce sepsis yeah. in their hospital. They cared about the resiliency of their care team. They cared about the patient experience and how does that experience um, result to have high scores from an HCAPs perspective, which is the report card for hospitals on how they get reimbursed from the CMS on Medicare and Medicaid patients.
3: So when you have that type of information, like, hey, you know, we can increase your patient experience oh, by the way, you know, our customer experience, like our customers love working with us. The patients, you know, have an improved experience. um, And you're kind of taking those different different pieces. How are you engaging with the decision makers to say like, are you going like still to the different departments or is it more of like a higher sale now? I mean, I'm curious, like, how are you kind of influenced? Are you getting bottom up? kind of marketing saying like, hey, you know, nurses love us, like tell your boss sort of a thing. I'm I'm curious, what's kind of the strategy there?
1: We go direct to the decision makers, to the executive team now. And it's so enabling my sales team was really important Mm -hmm. because I had a sales team that was Full of people that would sell the vocera badge the hardware to the departments so we had to do a whole revamping and education strategy to get them to the point where they could walk into the c-suite get an appointment and have an effective conversation yeah and it's not a hey you want to buy a badge conversation it's a what are your pain points i hear you're trying to standardize across facilities here's what we've done and here's what our customers are doing you have to lead with the customer story if you don't that you'll get kicked out yeah,
3: it seems like you had some, you know, kind of potential sales marketing alignment issues, maybe, you know, and I guess it's issues is always a loaded <laughs> word, but I'd say ways to improve, whatever it is. But it's also, it also seems like changing the entire sales strategy with feedback from marketing. Um, how did that go?
1: That's a, a very honest and open conversation we should have here. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. When I walked in, marketing was the bad guy. Marketing was seen to be not, aligned to the business strategy. We were seen to be difficult to work with. And I knew this because I did a a survey that was anonymous, so nobody knew where it was coming from, but clearly I had some barriers to overcome. So I literally went to the top and said to our sales leader, let's talk. I'm here to support you and to support our customers and the buyers. I am not here to do things that are not aligned to your strategy and our overall business strategy. How can we work together? And we literally had this conversation in a Mexican restaurant. (laughs) And he wrote, it was, I called it the back of the napkin conversation because we literally wrote on a napkin because I didn't have any paper because I really wanted to talk to him. And together we crafted, we needed to simplify our story, Mm -hmm. simplify our message We need to be able to teach our sales folks how to have executive conversations. And while that was going on, he wanted me to open the doors to the chief nursing officer, the chief medical officer, the chief information officer. And then there's some CMIO, CNIO titles in there as well. So we spent a lot of time doing executive roundtables and some high-touch engagements to get those doors opened so they could have the conversation.
3: And when you were... Reaching out to those specific titles, changing up how, you know, who you were going after. Did you get any pushback from the CNO titles, those sort of people? Like, why are you talking to me?
1: Uh, (laughs) Yes. So (laughs) it was not a marketing conversation for me. It was positioning our executives that had the like roles of those executives as thought leaders. So our chief nursing officer, Dr. Rhonda Collins, is my best ally. I, I have her tell stories. I enable her to be a thought leader by branding her through social media, publishing a report that she authors every year on the the way to lean in and make life better for nurses and the, and the care that they deliver. And each, each year we publish this report, and then I, I promote it through snackable content, whether on different venues depending upon where it is, but she does a lot of speaking for us and actual customer engagement as well.
3: Do you use like those different kinds of pieces in your, in your ad copy as well, like snippets from that?
1: Absolutely. Yep. Lots of snippets in ad copy and also in little videos that we do. We just did one recently on um, duress. Mm-hmm. It's unfortunate, but nurses are injured on the job every single day, wow. and a lot of times it's from patients. Um, there's a woman in a Massachusetts hospital named Elise that was actually stabbed eleven times by a patient. Had to go under undergo surgery for something like eight hours, and trying to get a law enacted to allow for that protection of the nurses has been very difficult in the past couple of years. It's still not ratified. But in the meantime, nurses are getting hurt. So we have a button on our Vocera Smart Badge that the nurses can press, and it immediately calls the safety folks all around. And we created a small video with that and are pushing that out through social media. And the sales folks are showing it now, and it's, it's resonating because there's so many people that are, are getting hurt and injured. I mean, I myself had a patient literally take my stethoscope that was around my neck when I went in to say hello to her and grab it on both sides and pull it yeah. to the point where I was being strangled. And luckily, one of my colleagues was nearby. And this was before we had any devices to help us find somebody to help.
3: Yeah, it's my my mom was at Highland Hospital for a long time. And, you know, you have a lot of, uh, you know, different violent offenders, people like that, that, mm-hmm. that come through with, you know, trauma injuries and things like that. I mean... To be able to use that and to create a solution first that solves the problem, but then to be able to, you know, evangelize and to make sure that people know that that solution is out there uh, is really important. And I think, you know, it shows that you have the nurses back, but it also allows you to position the conversations to say, like, you know, hey, if you're not doing things like this, like you don't really have, you know, your nurses, you know, best intentions in mind.
1: Mm hmm. And we lead with care team safety and patient safety because those are the topics that resonate with the audience. And in healthcare, a lot of marketers copy one another.
3: (laughs) Yeah, sure. Of
1: course. So uh, I ended up seeing a lot of my language on other websites from competitors. So I spent a lot of time figuring out what that differentiated message was.
3: Yeah, I want to talk some of the campaigns um, because it Mm -hmm. seems like you've had some really interesting campaigns. You know, you focus a lot on customer success, and customer experience, what are some of your favorite campaigns that you've worked on uh, over the years? It doesn't have to just be Vosera, but but I'm curious.
1: My favorite is the one we're working on now, which is all around patient safety. Everybody always says that. Everybody always says their favorite one is the one now, but okay. <laughs> but, but it really is because yeah, sure. being a nurse, having experienced that patient that pulled my stethoscope yeah. across my neck and watching patients die because they got out of bed yeah. and fractured their hip they were 80 years old and they weren't supposed to get out of bed, but yet they did, are the stories and solutions that I want to be able to tell. And so the safety campaign is all around, how do I find that doctor that was in the OR that I couldn't talk to with the halo quickly so that that patient's neck could be stabilized? How do I find that nurse that's being stabbed 11 times and allow them to to call for help? How do I pull the fact that the patient's on safety precautions and isn't getting out of bed, but the bed just alarms that he is and get that notification to the nurse right away so they can intervene and not necessarily the nurse. It might be the patient care tech Yeah, because, you know, different notifications need to go to different people. You want to keep people working at their licensed level. Yeah. So the nurse should be doing the pain meds the nursing assistant or the patient care tech should be getting the water. And then the nursing assistant should be helping the patient out of bed to the bathroom. So sending the alerts to the right people is what our campaign's all about, to keep people safe. And then getting to the people that you need to make your decisions in a timely fashion is keeping the care team safe.
3: And so what are what are some of the things that you're doing to uh, to promote that campaign?
1: So we just did a big video shoot. In Scottsdale at a little mock hospital, you can't just go in a hospital and yeah, do a sure. video shoot. Of course. Say, oh, there's that trauma, that guy that was on the news last night. Yeah. You know, you can't do that. You have to be able to to find a place that's a safe place, because if you bring in a plethora of actors and actresses, you end up. Not getting what you want.
3: Yeah, this is not one of the things we, you know, we always talk about, like, you know, using using your real customers in in uh, in ads and things like that. This is not one of the cases where you can do that. Right.
1: Or employees. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes, it's it's um, this was a really fun one. We brought in a bunch of actors from Hollywood and created a story around a clinician that was just at the end of their rope. They had really hit the overload from a cognitive perspective. And a patient was coming in from the um, highway car accident, and they gave the patient some fentanyl in the street. And then when the patient came back in, the nurse missed the fact that the patient had the fentanyl mm-hmm. and ended up giving more fentanyl. So mm-hmm. the patient died. So we took that cinematic um, approach with black and white, the the horrible before, and then we turned it into the after with Vocera, the same scenario, and showed how the nurse was safe and happier and the patient lived. So it was, it was quite, it, it was a lot of fun doing that. And so now what we've done is we pulled little snippets out of that, and we're going to start promoting that here over the coming weeks and really push it to conferences where the chief nursing officers are attending. So there's a big one just down in Florida called the Magnet conference, which is where the best of the best go. So getting that out there in front of them is is something I'm excited to do. And then we have a webinar coming up where several of our customers are going to talk about how they have been able to get to their nurses when they were in in a duress situation right away, where they've cut their, their response time from security down to from seven seconds to three seconds. Wow. In those five seconds, somebody could die. So that's an important milestone.
3: Yeah, it's I was thinking in in the prep for this episode about the idea of like, you know, we always talk about emotional marketing and how important that is. But what's what's interesting is in healthcare you want to not be emotional, right? Like you want to be professional. Like the whole goal is to be able to, you know, work under this huge amount of pressure with like massive things at stake, right? You know, people's lives, obviously. How do you kind of like find that fine line of like, having emotion, but also maintaining that level of kind of professionalism?
1: That's a great question. It, you do have to be emotional and to get that human story out and to get people's attention. You're getting three and four hundred emails a day. You kind of need yeah. something that's going to trigger that response what, you where you want to look at it.
3: Uh, so you're getting four hundred emails yes, a day. Yes, indeed. That, that's also true. <laughs>
1: um but but being able to to cut through that is important and the best way in healthcare to do that is with real stories um having the nursing background it it helps me to know when we've pushed it a little too far and also the important thing is the language to make sure that you use the right language and you don't call thing nurses or doctors by names like you would never have Nancy nurse in one of your videos yeah totally um because that would be offensive to a nurse um, little things like your graphics. My, um, You don't want to have graphics that are going to make it it look like you put the care team in a compromised situation. So, uh, in fact, I had a conversation with one of my creative artists the other day. And she created a beautiful brochure. And it had an EKG in it. And I couldn't figure out what was wrong with the EKG. I'm looking at the EKG thinking, oh, that's odd. And that's the tracing of the heart rhythm. And... I said, "What's what? Did you do? This is beautiful, but something's wrong." And she goes, "Oh, I just transposed it. I turned it <laughs> backwards. So the T wave is where the P wave was, and the QRS was all backwards." And so, having the nursing background helped me to catch that because in healthcare marketing, if you do it wrong, you lose all credibility. Yeah,
3: the stock imagery is the death of. Of, of all uh, all good marketers, when they don't they don't look at the details. As mm-hmm. I was in the military, and I see that all the time with the military photography or like stock imagery, where you're like anyone looks at that and they're like none of those. And no, no, that uniform doesn't make sense. That hasn't been, that uniform hasn't been in use for 20 years, you know, all those sort of things.
1: Um, Same thing, we, we do a lot of work with the military and the military hospitals. Yeah. And do they wear scrubs? Do yep. they wear fatigues? Do they, you know, how are we going to convey the the look of a physician or a nurse in that space when it is oftentimes different?
3: Yeah, and, and going to the VA is totally different than a different hospital. Do you look at, Like how much does your marketing, you know, with the rise of personalization and obviously, you know, tools like our great sponsor, Pardot, who we love, allows you to do lots of, you know, email personalization. Personalization is so important. You know, each, I'm sure, uh, well, I'll, I'll ask you, I'm sure each, you know, CNO sees their hospital and their challenges and as different. How do you allow with some level of like, hey, you know, we all know we're all going through this, but also there are personalization. There are differences in whether that's an implementation or customer experience and kind of highlighting those things.
1: So we have an account based marketing program. Oh, OK. So we have 120 of our targeted accounts. I know who the people are that we're targeting and are having conversations with. And we are doing personalized outreach to them, not only through email. And oh, by the way, the email doesn't come from Vosera; It comes from my chief nursing officer. Oh, cool. So we make sure that we personalize the conversation as if she's sending it. Yeah. And then on top of that, we do um, a lot of remarketing to the titles and not remarketing directly through some of the channels that are out there today through social media. Of course, we do some of that but we do it through trusted sources. So there's a big organization for the CIOs in healthcare called HIMSS, Health Information Management System Society. So we'll market through them and use their channels and their contacts to get to those folks that are in our strategic marketing list.
3: Well, and I wanted to to ask you about, you know, the medical field has, really still has these periodicals that are extremely important. I feel like Many other things don't really have as much of a tie to that, but in the medical field, it's still extremely important. I like you mentioned print ads earlier pulling where some marketers who listen to this would might've gasped, but those publications are still extremely important. I'm curious, how do you build deeper relationships with a, you know, a limited number of accounts, 120 named accounts, for example, where you're building like nuanced engagement with those folks?
1: So I took on a novel idea from my CEO's perspective. I created (laughs) something called Centers of Excellence. Yeah. And I identified the top customers. And some of them had prospect hospitals associated because when you look at health systems, you've got 20, 30 hospitals within an organization. So we picked some of those that had customers and potential customers in the mix and approached them on partnering from a relationship perspective. And a lot of the healthcare marketing teams have been burned by marketing that hasn't panned out or companies that have gone out of business. And so they don't want to promote anybody's product. So what we do is we partner with them from a center of excellence perspective on all the value that they've realized through our solutions. And we stand them up through the speaking circuit at at the, the places that they believe will be inspirational and something, you know, they just, kind of beat their chest and say, oh, I just presented at Magnet. And we'll we'll submit them for speaking. We'll monitor their, their satisfaction. We'll walk the halls with the nurses and ask them how they're liking things. And we bring product managers in to talk to them to find out how we can do that human-centered design with product. So I've, I've stood up seven of them so far. And they are all absolutely delighted because they feel it can give them a competitive edge. It broadens the relationship with Vocera. They feel they can call me anytime if they want. Yeah. They can pick up the phone and call our CEO if they want. So they have special privileges as it relates to relationship with the company. And that has really worked well in terms of getting their story out there and also building the relationship with us so that it, it can also do a cross sell upsell type motion. Yeah, I mean, of motion.
3: we had... Alexander Morehouse, CMO of Banner Health, on, um, and she has she's a great marketer. But they have their own unique challenges to market themselves. And I, I was I was going to ask that of like, you know, is there any buddy to buddy CMO to CMO thing? It's like, hey, we could do some joint marketing stuff. That's pretty cool here because you know we want to promote you all and the awesome things that you're doing and how you use our system is how you help your patient. So how you improve that patient experience. Uh, I'm just curious if you've ever done anything like that.
1: I've done some of that. In fact, Banner is one of our customers. No in kidding. Effect. Yeah. Oh,
3: <laughs> Shout out to Alex. An awesome episode. And she, for anyone who hasn't listened to that episode, go back because she's awesome. And she was the one who signed Steph Curry when she was at Kaiser. And it's a really cool story. So.
1: Oh, I'll have to go back and listen to it's it. Great. I haven't heard it yet, but I definitely it, will now.
3: She it's great. It's really fun. Um, But anyway.
1: Well, anyway, um, have I bided up with CMOs? There aren't a lot of health systems that have CMOs, actually. Good point, um, yeah. you, They usually have a chief medical officer, not <laughs> a chief marketing officer. And it's usually a VP of marketing, and they are so busy, they have a real hard time finding time for anything. Um, I've done some co-work with uh, Santa Clara Valley Medical Center, the, the public hospital here in in the Valley. And really, it's been giving them tools – and stories and images and content that will help them tell their story to the consumer um, because they are truly consumer marketing and community marketing where we're B2B. So offering of videos and that kind of thing has been um, some of the work that we've done together. Not as much as I'd like, though. So anybody out there that is in a hospital, that is a CMO, I'd love to partner with you.
3: Yeah, I mean, it seems like you know you especially you know doing the type of videos that you're doing things like that and obviously the investments that you make from a B2B perspective it seems like sometimes not all the time sometimes hospital systems might have some constraints around creativity whereas you might be able to have a little bit more flexibility with the creative assets that you could you could you know pay for and and use and that stuff is fun right you know like that's that's kind of where one plus one equals could potentially equal three.
1: Yeah, uh, we just did a video with University of Chicago Medical mm-hmm. Center, um, but it was all around patient experience. So I paid for everything, brought in the makeup artists and everybody else that that would help them to all look good. We we spent we took a crew on site. They only needed to give us some of their time, and we told their story. We didn't tell the vocera story, and it was really high impact. They loved it so much, they started to show it to their board of directors. They should—they put it on their own website. Yeah. So, yes, that can happen, and we've done a little bit of that, but I'd love to do more.
3: That's awesome. I love it. Okay, let's, let's get into the lightning rounds. Let's get into some fast and easy questions here.
1: I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
3: You shouldn't be, I feel like. I'm just kidding. Um, actually, no, I'm going to, we're going to pause for a second. You have a tactic called super awesome marketing. Is this, I let me hear this before we do lightning round. This is a teaser for the lightning round, but it's coming soon. What's super awesome marketing?
1: Super awesome marketing is being creative and finding the tactics and channels that are relevant to the audience, knowing that you need to be, bring your best self be your most creative self, and no idea is bad. So everybody comes with ideas, whether they're the launch program manager or the messaging person or Marcom. So everybody has to be their best.
3: I like that. So what was the reason for, for super op- awesome marketing in the first place?
1: Because uh, I had a, a a team that was demotivated. Mm-hmm. When I first started, they had been leaderless for about seven months and they were all just tired of the fight and they needed somebody behind them and needed, they wanted somebody to help build them back up. And the super awesome marketing was a great way to get them awesome.
3: <laughs> I love it. Okay, now let's get into some super awesome marketing questions. Okay. Lightning Round style. The Lightning Round is brought to you by our amazing friends at Pardot. You can go to pardot.com slash podcast to learn more about B2B marketing on the world's number one CRM. Lightning Round questions. Kathy, are you ready?
1: I am ready, Ian.
3: Number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? Facebook. What is your favorite vacation spot?
1: The coast of Italy, Livorno.
3: What book or podcast have you read or listened to recently that you enjoyed?
1: Oh, I read a fiction book. <laughs> romance novels, you know, the job is so stressful, sure. hey, <laughs> you gotta escape. Uh, you end up get, finding ways to escape in other ways and this was a romance novel about a Old time woman. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you the title because it would be so corny.
3: Do you have a hidden talent or passion?
1: I am a musician and I am very passionate about music. And I think that's what kind of led to my marketing passion as well. I play the flute and the saxophone and then taught myself the keyboard and have a, a husband that's a musician. So I've been a roadie a lot of times as well, uh, yeah. <laughs> especially through the streets of San Francisco. That's always fun. bringing an amp up the hill.
3: That yeah, that is fun. We'll have to we'll have to have your husband play at the new uh new Mission HQ in San Francisco to do a live event someday. I don't know if we're permanent for live events yet, but once we are, boy.
1: That'd wow. be great.
3: Yeah. What does he play?
1: He plays guitar. Oh nice and he plays all kinds of different music. Surf instrumental was his big claim to fame, like the Dick Dale music, you know, pipeline and that kind of thing. Cool. And then uh, he likes rockabilly now. Oh
3: great. What is your best advice for a first-time CMO?
1: Best advice is to use both sides of your brain. Kind of like you're conducting an orchestra. And a good friend of mine at Serious Decisions told me this analogy, so I'm gonna give him credit for it. Sure. Um, His name is Alan Gonsenhauser. And he said, you need to be able to be data-driven and financially driven. So you've got to use facts to make your decisions. But at the same time, you need to be able to build that beautiful music. So the individual notes and the score that make up the music are really important and they need to be stayed on key. But you can't get the full picture of the music without having that creative side. So being able to guide the creatives and guide the data-driven Analytics, folks, is really important to have a well-orchestrated team.
3: Do you ever play it by ear?
1: Uh, (laughs) I do one sometimes. I'll I'll, I'll take a risk and say, let's try this, guys. I did that with a direct mail that kind of flopped. But uh,
3: (laughs) yeah. Hey, every flop flop leads to uh, some good insights. Um, Thing you're most excited about for the future marketing?
1: Excited. I'm excited about the digital promise, but I also worry.
3: What's the digital promise?
1: Digital promise is finding people and that are intending to want to talk to you and consume a conversation with you. Yeah. Um, I'm excited about how these intent-based systems are coming out, but I also get worried with new things that are coming out, like that California Consumer Privacy Act that's coming out in January. Think we're all worried. Yeah, we were just having a conversation about that with legal last week. So finding that balance is what I want to do well. And I I just love the age of digital and video and engagement. And I think that's where I'm going to direct the team moving forward a little bit more heavily.
3: Last question. What question do you never get asked that you wish you were asked more often
1: you don't have a degree in marketing what gives you the street cred to be able to market what
3: does give you the street cred
1: experience and passion having been at cisco i worked all different roles within marketing i've been in the industry doing marketing and and sales for 20 some years and I believe that job experience is every bit as valuable as a degree when you are leading teams.
3: Well, Kathy, this has just been an absolute delight. Any final stuff to uh, plug? Everybody, you know, should check out vocera.com If you're uh, especially if you're if you're in healthcare and you're listening, definitely go check them out. Um, Any other stuff?
1: I love marketing, and I love that you're doing this podcast. Thank you for having me. It was really fun, a lot more fun than I thought it would be. So <laughs> I, I look forward to connecting with other CMOs in your community.
3: Yeah, absolutely. We got to have you back for a roundtable. Uh, they're they're a blast. Thanks so much for, for hanging out.
1: Thank you, Ian.
2: Thanks for listening to this episode of Marketing Trends. Marketing Trends is created by the team at Mission.org, and sponsored by Salesforce Pardot. World-class marketers use Pardot to generate and nurture leads, close more deals, and maximize ROI at every stage of the sales cycle. Empower your marketing team to become revenue-generating superheroes and let Pardot's data analysis keep an eye on the bottom line. Learn more by visiting pardot.com slash podcast or click on the link in the show notes.